want to begin this morning by telling you a true story about a man whose life was radically changed. He, he wasn't born in America. He grew up in the Middle East and uh, grew up um, being taught a religion other than Christianity. And uh, from a young age, he showed unusual devotion to his faith. He had an incredibly bright intellect. He, uh, that opened the door for him into several uh, opportunities to learn and get into the best schools and those kinds of things and uh, study under the best instructors. And like many of his contemporaries, his passion for the God that he thought he knew led him to hate Christians. And so much so that his desire to, uh, to see his faith furthered uh, led him to really become what we would call a religious zealot. He wanted to kill Christians, as many of them as he possibly could, and he really believed that he was doing a God, was doing God a favor uh, by, by doing this. And so um, that's the direction that he was going, that's the path that his life was headed down, and all of that changed when he had a life-changing vision of Jesus, where Jesus appeared to him, and that just changed everything for him. He became a follower of Christ. He channeled this religious passion that he had once channeled into trying to, to kill Christians and destroy Christianity. He channeled all that into following Christ and just became a, a missionary back to the people that he once served alongside of and trying to do away with Christianity. And, you know, his story is not terribly uncommon. We hear these types of stories uh, you know, on a fairly regular basis. We hear stories of Jesus, for example, appearing to uh, Muslim people in visions and things like that, and, and then you know, coming to, to follow Christ and having a, a total heart change. Uh, but this individual that I'm talking about today is somebody that I think we all will recognize. If you haven't figured out yet, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about Saul of Tarsus from the Bible. Uh, it was a man who grew up studying uh, his religion, progressing in it, uh, going to the best schools, but on his way to persecute Christians, to try to arrest them, to have them put to death, he had a vision. And Jesus appeared to him, communicated with him, it totally changed everything for him. And uh, so I, I want us to open our Bibles today and hear him talking a little bit about his past and how God worked through that uh, to, to use him in the, um, in the ministry and, and to, to help him become a missionary. 1 Timothy chapter 1 is where we are today, starting in verse 12. It says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Don't you 
love Paul's transparency here. It's quite remarkable that he just launches into what his past was like. He doesn't have to bring up his past failures, but he does so willingly. In fact, I would say that he does so purposefully. He uses his story, his, his transparency allows him to have the opportunity to, uh, to use that to impact people for the kingdom. And so that, that really is the, the, the heart of what I want you to take away today and what, what, what we want to communicate from this passage. We're, we're in the middle of a series called Transparency. We're talking about being more transparent. Um, and I, I hope and I pray that we move from being willing to be transparent. And maybe that's the beginning point for us. It's like, okay, I've been unwilling before. I may be a little bit more willing to do that. But, but my prayer is that we move from being willing to do that to actually seeing that as one of the greatest opportunities for God to work through us. See, this, this really opens the door for some ministry and some opportunities uh, uh, that, that we won't have otherwise. And Paul knew that. And so he leveraged his story, not because he wanted to put himself in the spotlight, but because he knew God could use that. It's kind of like what Judge just said a moment ago. He shares his story because there are others that are going through similar things that can relate. And it opens the door for ministry and it gives hope to us to know that we're not alone. Well, Paul is doing the same thing here, saying, look, if you think you're messed up, let me tell you about what my life was like before. And if you think there's no hope for you, let me tell you about a guy who was trying to put Christians to death. And yet Jesus changed my life. If he can do that for me, he can do it for you. That's really kind of the, the heart of what he's communicating here. And so he describes himself in verse 13, what he was like before. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. That's a pretty good list there of things that you don't want to be if you're going to be a servant of God, right? Let's start with the blasphemer. It's an interesting concept here, this word blasphemer in the Greek comes from, it's two compound words, the, the word blapto, which means to hurt, and the word feme, which means a saying or a report. So literally, a blasphemer here means someone who says hurtful things. That's what a blasphemer is. Sometimes this word is used in the Bible to talk about slanderous speech toward other people. So sometimes it can mean actually just saying hurtful things about others, but more often than not, it's used in the context of saying hurtful things toward God or saying things about God, a, a slanderous type of a report about God, saying things about God that simply are not true. And that's probably what we think about when we think of blasphemy. It's saying something that is just, oh my goodness, that is so not who God is. And we say that is blasphemy to say that. That's kind of what we're getting at is this is so off track. It is so offensive and so contrary to, to the truth of, of who God is. And Paul says, that's who I was. And it's interesting that he describes himself in those terms. Because as we said before, he was a, a person who was passionate about his faith. He was being trained in the best schools. He was following God with all of his heart. He was rising in the, uh, among his peers to places of leadership. And he had this great future in front of him. So for this guy who had devoted himself to his religion to say I was a blasphemer, it's kind of like, really? I, I thought you were, were attempting to follow God. And he was. But here's the thing. Paul's blasphemy wasn't based on 
his lack of belief in God, it was based on the fact that his belief was incomplete. That he didn't understand the full story. And, and, and he did not recognize it first anyway. He didn't recognize Jesus for who he really was. Paul thought that, that Jesus was a fraud. That he was somebody who was pretending to be. I would say that's, that's blasphemy. And it wasn't until he had this vision from Jesus where this light comes from heaven and it literally knocks him to the ground. And I mean, God got his attention in a very dramatic way. It wasn't until then that, that he began to uh, understand who Christ was. And so now, looking back on that, he's saying, I used to be a blasphemer. And then it says that, that he also was a persecutor and a violent man. Now, we don't have any record in Scripture of Paul actually physically doing violence himself. But what we do know, it says that he went with letters from the high priest to arrest with the authority to arrest Christians and have them put to death. So even if he wasn't the one who was committing the acts of violence, he still describes himself as a violent man because he was facilitating all of this happening. In fact, in Acts chapter 7 there was one of the early Christians by the name of Stephen who was put to death because uh, you know he talked about seeing Jesus at the right hand of God. And interestingly enough, you remember what they said about him? They said he has spoken blasphemy. Uh, and, and so they stone him to death. And it says that Saul at the time, his name hadn't been changed to Paul yet, but Saul stood there giving his approval. So here is a guy who arrested Christians so that they could be put to death. And when an innocent man is, can you imagine being stoned to death? People literally throwing stones and, and, and to the point of murdering someone. And he's just standing there, you know, nodding and giving his approval. Way to go, guys. This is the right thing to do. And now he looks back on that. And, and his heart is broken over that. Because now he understands who Christ is. He understands that, that this, this man that he approved of his death, this is his brother. That they're on the same team now. And so his heart is broken over that. And, and he, he, he just, you know, he, he acknowledges the fact that he was way off track. And so I, I just love the fact that he puts it all out there. He doesn't try to hold anything back. He doesn't try to smooth over the rough edges. He just says, look, this is who I was. And I want you to stick with me on this because this is so important. Okay, so if, you, if you've already started to fade a little bit, come on back for just a minute because it's, it's real important. All right, you with me on this? It is so important that we put all of it out there, that we, that we, that we put the, the entire truth out there. Um, and, and this is what, what I want us to see. Really, the first main idea today is that we need to share everything that is appropriate to share. Now, I, I want to I talk about both of those words and both of those terms there. Uh, but let's start with the idea of, of what does it look like to share everything that is appropriate to share. Let me tell you what my experience tells me as a pastor. I've, I've had many, many um, times in my ministry where people have, have come to me or maybe in some cases I've gone to them, but where they needed to share something, they needed to confess something that was very difficult to acknowledge, very difficult to admit. And so transparency was rough. Very hard to do. Here's what my experience tells me. That when somebody begins to open up, especially about some particular sin in their past or some place they've really gone off or they're beginning to confess something, 
they almost never give you the full story the first time. This is just how it works. I'm just telling you from years and years of experience, this is how it works. You get a little bit of the story, and there's, there's like a little bit that is brought out. And, and that can be difficult and uncomfortable. But what I want to encourage you to do is to not stop with just beginning to be a little bit transparent. Okay? I, I think of it like this. See, this. This is my analogy. It's almost football season. Anybody excited about football season starting back up again? All right. Yes. I am too. Excited about football season starting back up here soon. But think about this, a football analogy. that When you get the ball, your team has the ball, their, uh, their end uh, result that they're looking for is to, to get the ball across the goal line, right? So you're going to move the ball down the field, you're going to get it across the goal line. Let's say you start uh, on your own end of the field, you're on your own 25-yard line, you start with the ball, you get it across midfield, you start to get into the, the other team's territory, but you get stopped right there. That's some progress, right? Like, okay, we can build on that. We, we at least put a little bit of a drive together. We started making progress. Um, that's kind of what it's like a lot of times when we begin to become more transparent. It's like we maybe get it across midfield, but then we, get, then we stop. And maybe the next time the team gets the ball, they, they go a little bit further. They get all the way down, let's say, to the, to the opponent's 25-yard line, and then they get stopped. Well, at least then you can kick a field goal. So you get some points for that. But that's not the end goal. And you ask any football team, and they'll tell you, you're not going to win a lot of games by kicking field goals. And you're certainly not going to win any championship by just kicking field goals. You've got to get the ball across the line. So the, 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 the goal is to score touchdowns, not to kick field goals. And so the next time you get it down to the one-yard line, and how many times have you seen this happen, where a team gets the ball down to the one-yard line, first and goal, one-yard line, and they get stopped? Second goal, third goal, fourth goal. They can stop four times on the one yard. That, that happens. They just can't seem to get it pushed across the goal line. I'm going to tell you, that's where a lot of us end up when it comes with our transparency. Over time, maybe we, we make progress. We get all the way down to the one yard line, and then we get stuck. Don't stop at the one yard line when it comes to being transparent. But be willing to, to open up completely. Get the ball across the goal line. Like, don't, don't stop right there. Um, Paul just doesn't seem to hold anything back. He just puts it all out there. And, uh, and, and as a result of that, it, it really does open up some doors for him. Now, that's not easy to do. When we talk about sharing everything that is appropriate to share, uh, it takes some courage. And when you begin to open up and share your story... And uh, by the way, um, here's the other thing that, that, that I have experienced myself as well as observed in other people. When we start to think about fully opening up, the way we perceive how others will hear us is totally different from how they really will. Our perception usually is, oh my gosh, people are going to think so poorly of me or they're going to have all these negative thoughts about me if I really open up. And it feels like, you know, on a scary scale of like 1 to 10, it feels like maybe a 10 or 11 for us who are opening up. And for the ones that are listening, it's about a 5, if that makes any sense. It's, it's not received the same way that we feel. But, but it's very difficult to open up. It takes some courage to do that. And so I, I want to share with you today. We've been going through and you know, sharing some of the, the little video clips that change lives and things like that. But there is one story that I, I thought fits so well with what we're talking about today. 
uh, from an individual that's been a part of our church for many, many, many years. And she said, hey, I'd like to share some of my story. Not an easy story to share, uh, but she had the courage to do that. And I think this is a great example for us to see um, that it's, it's a good thing to open up completely and share your story. So let's take a look. Hi, Gateway family. My name is Mary, and I've been going to Gateway since we started meeting in Groves Elementary. So I have a long history. I was asked how Gateway changed my life. When I first started coming to Gateway, I was in a relationship with a woman. And Gateway was, was the closest church to me at the time. And I grew up in church. I wanted to go to church. I was struggling with the life I was living, but I had had other pastors explain to me in different terms, making it seem that what I was doing was okay. And I came to Gateway and they opened their arms and Sean's beautiful bright smile was there every Sunday morning. And Blake is there and, and opened his arms and let us in and invited us back and let us even work in the nursery. And we were allowed to come as much as we wanted to. Maybe allowed's not the best word, but in my mind that's how it was working. We just were not allowed to join because the way we were living was not the way we should be living. We went to Gateway for quite a while before we saw the error of our ways and decided to make a split. She moved out of my bedroom and into the other bedroom in the house and we still continued to come to Gateway and we sat and talked to Blake and told him that we were no longer a couple, we were just friends, and that was how it was going to be. And she eventually left and moved back to Montana with her family. But Gateway has always been home. It's, I've left a couple times, I've moved away, I've moved out of town, and I always come back. And no matter how many times you leave and come back, Sean and Blake are always there to greet you and make you feel like you belong. So I, I love this, this church family, and it's changed my life a lot. And I'm now been married almost 14 years to a great guy. And um, the Lord has blessed me beyond measure with so many things that I wanted and needed. Thank you. Be willing to share your story. You know, even, even when it maybe is a little bit difficult to do. Uh, being transparent is not always easy. Um, but God can work through that. And we see that in, in Paul's life. And so uh, I want to encourage you to, to share everything that is appropriate to share. Now let me come back to that second word, the word appropriate. Um, there are some things that are not appropriate to share. And here's how we know when when it's crossing the line, and that is when it dishonors somebody else. It can reflect negatively on somebody else. Be very careful 
about that. Let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, the story or your story is that you grew up in a home where, let's say, uh, your, your father was abusive or was just extremely hard, was not a Christian, and uh, as a result of that, that just really kind of messed you up, you know, in your life and uh, maybe drove you away from God. And it wasn't until young adult years that you kind of came back to God and developed a relationship with God and God changed your heart and now put you on this new path and you want to share your story. Well, if, you're, if your father is living and there's a possibility that, you know, he could hear the story or it might get back to him, it, it wouldn't be appropriate. To share, this is what my dad did to me as a child. You could still share your story by saying something like, there were some challenges that I had in my childhood and in my upbringing, and as a result, I walked away from God. Yeah, you could go that route. But just know that not every detail always needs to be shared, especially if it may be dishonoring to somebody else. And so um, there's some wisdom there. But uh, the flip side of that is, don't use that as an excuse to chicken out on really telling the whole story that needs to be told, that is appropriate to tell. Because sometimes the reason we don't want to tell something isn't because we think it'll reflect negatively on somebody else. It's because, honestly, we think it'll reflect negatively on us. And we're not real comfortable with that. We don't want to put that out there. So don't let that be the motivation for uh, not being transparent. And, and the flip side of that, too, on the um, telling everything that's appropriate to tell is um, just realizing that being transparent is, is not an excuse for um, speaking negatively about others or even just putting ourselves in the spotlight or saying, hey, look at me and my story. That, that wasn't the goal here. Paul is talking about his past, uh, and he's doing so to point others toward Christ. But you get to the, ven- to the end of verse 13, and it says that he was shown mercy. And why was he shown mercy? He says, because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And when you first see that word, if he just said, because I acted in ignorance, um, if he left it there, that could almost sound like an excuse. You know, like, I didn't know better. I was just doing the best that I could with what I had, and I was acting in ignorance. And it could almost be a little bit of a, of a blame-shifting kind of a thing. But lest there be any question in our minds that that's not what he's saying. He said, I acted in ignorance and unbelief. I mean, saying that, that he acted in unbelief is, is squarely putting the responsibility on his own shoulders. I chose not to believe in Christ. So there was ignorance, yes, I didn't know who Jesus was at the time, but there was also that element of unbelief. And so uh, he, he, his purpose in sharing his story was to let other people know, I was far off the path, I wasn't a follower of Jesus, and God did this for me, and therefore he can do it for you. In fact, it says in, in verse 12, he's thanking Christ Jesus, our Lord, who's given me strength. He said that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Here's the second thing that I want to point out to you today. And that is to let God decide. We need to let God decide how to use us. He said, God is the one who appointed me to his service. He's the one who gets to decide how he wants to use us. I gather from reading what he says in this passage that, that Paul seems to have struggled some with not feeling worthy to be in the role that he was in. When he says things like being the, the worst of sinners and he's recounting what he's been through, I, I think if you were to ask him, there would be a part of him that, that 
just kind of feels like, hey, who am I based on what I've done in my past to be in the position that I'm in? And don't you think it would have made sense for him on the front end to be hesitant about um, being in a role of being a, 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 the voice of the gospel, one of the primary voices of the gospel? Don't you think he could have said something like or thought something like, you, I used to kill Christians, and now they're going to listen to me when I try to tell them to become one? <laughs> don't, don't see that happening. And you could see where that would make sense for him. And you ever, do you ever do that? You ever try to rationalize what makes sense and how God can use you and how God can't use you? And you ever, you ever rule yourself out of something that God doesn't rule you out of? Or you try to say, well, I couldn't possibly do that because... And we come up with all these reasons why it doesn't make sense. Let me just remind you, based on what we see in Paul, God's the one who gets to decide that, not, not us. When it says that he appointed me to his service, that's a key phrase there. He appointed me. Not that Paul said, I wanted to or I pursued this. God appointed me to do this. It makes me think about Moses. You know, when, when God came to Moses, you remember his response, right? He's like, you got the wrong guy. I think you want somebody else, God. I don't speak well. I can't go to Pharaoh and speak to him on behalf of your people. That's not me. That's not how I'm gifted. Yada, 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 on and on and on about why I can't do this, right? And it's, every one of us has been there. Like, okay, no, I, don't, I don't think I could do that. That's outside my comfort zone, or I just don't know that I'm equipped for that. Listen, God's the one who gets to decide that. God's the one who says, if I'm going to appoint you to this, even, even if it doesn't make sense to you, or even if you think, well, maybe based on my past, that wouldn't be a good thing for me. No, let God decide. If God wants to appoint you to a certain service, who are you to say no? Who am I to say no when God says, this is what I want you to do? And so Paul said yes. Even in spite of, of the, what, what he had been through. Now, he does describe himself as the worst of sinners. And we might read that and think, okay, come on. Are you, little over-exaggeration here, right? Well, I, I think in his mind, he really believed that. And, and well, I mean, he did, after all, try to put Christians to death. He said, I was a blasphemer and I was a violent man. So he had a lot that, that he went through and, and he really believed that. And I think the bottom line is this, that the more you become familiar with the way things should be, the more obvious it is when they aren't as they should be. Does that, that make sense? Like he came to know Christ and he's saying, okay, this is how it's supposed to work. This is what is right. And so what he had done before became that much more glaring in his eyes because he was so aware of um, just how, how awful the situation was. But here's the point really of all of this. Why does he tell the story? Verse 16. He says, But for that reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example of those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. That's the point, guys. That's why you tell your story. That's why you and I need to be transparent. It's because God can use that as an example. That's his whole point. And he says that, that this, my life is an example of God's immense patience. Isn't that a great phrase? Can we talk about that one for a minute? God's immense patience. You ever feel like God just gets 
frustrated with you or God's ready to give up on you or, you know, if you're like me, sometimes I struggle with patience. I do. And, and so I, I, it just, it's hard over time to continue to be patient. But God has immense patience. God doesn't struggle with patience. God doesn't have to pray for patience, right? God has immense patience for us. And that means for you, if you feel like I've gone so far off the track and I've been so far down the wrong path that there's no hope for me, that is absolutely not true. God is a God of immense patience, and he waits for you to return. He waits for you to come to him. And that opportunity, as long as we still have breath in our lungs, that opportunity is there. Because God is a God of immense patience. And that's the good news. And, and, and we see that in the life of people like Paul. That's the point. That's why we need to share our story so that others can see, okay, this is what God did in her life. This is what God did in his life. Maybe God could do the same thing in mine. And he can. And he wants to. And so if you find yourself in that place right now where you're thinking, man, I would love to have that type of relationship with God. I would love to see God do something like that in my life. If you haven't yet entered into a relationship with God, I want you to know that God is a God of immense patience. God is a God who desires relationship with you. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment and talk about how do we enter into a relationship with Him. So hang on with me for just a moment. But I also want to say this for those that, that do have a relationship with God. I just want to encourage you with this. A reminder that God can use your story. But he can't if you keep it to yourself. We need to be transparent. We need to share our story. Even if, by the way, even if your story's not as dramatic as Paul's. Maybe you think, well, I don't really have a story to tell. You know, I grew up knowing Christ from the time I was little. Have you ever been through anything in your life that was difficult? Then share it. Share your story, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be some dramatic, you know, major, I was way off in left field and God rescued me. Uh, there are people that need to hear that story, but there are also people that need to hear the story of, I thought everything in my life was wonderful, but something was missing. And it wasn't until I came to know Christ that I realized that was the piece that was missing in my life. Whatever your story is, share it. And wherever you are, whether you think you're really close to entering into a relationship with God, or whether you think you're, you're just so far away that you've basically written yourself off. I just want to remind you today, if God can change the life of a person like Paul, he can change your life, and he wants to do that. He is a God of immense patience. And so as we conclude today, I want to lead us through an opportunity to pray a prayer of faith. You can pray this if you're here with us in person. You can pray with us if you are watching with us online. But this is just an opportunity to say, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus today because I believe that that God that you're talking about, that he really does offer forgiveness through Christ, through what Jesus has done on the cross for us because he died in our place to pay for our sins, rose from the dead. We can have eternal life in him. So if your desire is to trust in Christ today, we're going to pray a prayer. In fact, I'm going to put the words on the screen for you. So at home, you can follow along. Here, you can follow along. But just a, a sample prayer of something that you can pray in your heart to invite Jesus to, to, to be your Lord and your Savior today. So if that's your desire, let's pray together. Bow with me if you would. 
And if you're ready to trust in Christ today and to invite him into your heart, then just pray a prayer something like this. Jesus, I don't know why you would want someone like me, but I'm glad that you do. I confess that I am a sinner. I believe your grace covers my sin and that you died so that I could be forgiven. Right now, I turn to you in full faith. I give my heart completely to you. I trust you, Jesus. I am yours. Amen.